Uh, welcome to Beer and a Movie, a podcast where we combine the two greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies. Sometimes achieving outstanding pairings and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. There are three of us here. My name is Joe Hilliard. And I'm Dave Gurney. And I'm Carlos Gurney. And today we get to check off what the ghost of movies presence or the guest of movies present was the badge of the films we didn't see yes during the covid pandemic we're 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 helping 2020 pay our debt to him it is tenant but first david you have brought a very very special beer I, I think this is a special beer. This is a beer that uh, that that craft beer nerds, uh, you know, nerd out over. The, this is uh, Perennials uh, Abraxas. It is an imperial stout that they do brewed with ancho chili, cacao nibs, vanilla beans, and cinnamon sticks. Uh, you know, it, it is one of those big, hefty uh, imperials. It's 11.5%. Great Foley, Joe. Yeah. So Joe just cracked it open, getting it poured. Um, but my, t- the, the idea here, okay, so we're finally getting to this film Tenet. Okay, I'll go out, go ahead and spill the beans. And w- one of the playful things about Tenet, we'll get into whether or not we like that play or, you know, whatever. But one of the playful things is, you know, Nolan, Christopher Nolan works in this whole, um, concept of the Seder square, this, you know, sort of the, these words that are sort of, uh, you know, palindromes of one another that appear on, so, you, you know, they're all connected to various items or concepts in the film. Him drawing from that, uh, I saw a connection there to Abraxas, which is also kind of a similarly kind of mystical word that got, you know, carved onto stones, very similar kind of uh, time period, you know, that kind of. So I thought there was a, maybe a connection there into the mystical world, the mystical realm of whatever the hell is behind yeah. this film that we're going to watch, that I thought maybe having some of this in our glass could help us think about. And the ABV, again, was a healthy 11, 11 and a half. 11 and a half. Right? Get those gears, you know, working. You know, I'm about it. Uh, All right, Carl, it's your turn to synopsize the movie. Go ahead. <laughs> um, some people move forward in time. Others move backwards. <laughs> um, some people work for the government. Some people don't. Uh, some people were, uh, some people have appeared in Nolan films before. Some haven't, um, some newcomers. One was in, uh, to go back to last week's episode, Widows. Um, yeah. Elizabeth Debicki. Yeah. Uh, who, I, if I remember correctly on that episode, I did really like her performance in that film. Me too. Mm-hmm. Hans Zimmer is back. Yeah. Uh, doing the score. Um, and boy, uh, how. Uh, this one, I mean, David, you have a better synopsis. Of it, yeah, I don't so, know why we put that on uh, me. I ba- was unprepared for that. No, this is you know, as <laughs> with a better any Christ- job than I was going to. As with any Christopher Nolan film, this is going to get sort of labyrinthine uh, for us to talk about. I'm sure. Spoiler straight points. out. Period. Labyrinthian. But, yeah, la- labyrinthian. La- labyrinthine. Labyrinthine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but w- whatever we're going to do there, the basic premise is there is some technology that has been developed that allows things to start traveling backwards through time, like actually moving backwards through time. And that was invented in the future. There are factions in the future that seem to want to hurt 
what we see as the present in the film because of what they did or didn't do and it seems tied into climate change. There is a secret agency that is trying to sort of fight against the future or press back against the future and they are called Tenet and that's where we get the title of our film. Um, John David Washington very early in the film is recruited into that agency and that's who we're kind of following as our protagonist literally protect that's his character's name yeah it is the character's name um you know what i'm finding interesting about jd dubs is he sounds like somebody doing an impression of his dad i didn't notice it a lot in black klansman but i'm really noticing it now in this film he's got oh He's kind of just doing this like, oh, yeah, this like, uh, oh, so you think football is fun, huh? It's fun. It's fun to you. And like, he just has this like, I could, you know, actually, that didn't strike me. It's more of the, it's it's more of the Jay Farrow kind of like, it's a little bit in the back of the throat kind of like impression of. If Denzel I could, Washington, I, I bet you're right. I bet if I watched video of Jay Farrow doing the Denzel and then John David Washington, I'd probably feel a good connection because I think int- you're right. I think there's probably something there about an altered version of his dad's voice and cadence is going to be similar to what a son would have in, in yeah. comparison to his father. It's interesting. But yeah. so many rabbit holes we could go down. So, this so film. many rabbit holes. But what I, the I think the one like main thing that I really did want to say about the film. Um, was, and I, I mentioned it to you a couple hours ago, David, very briefly, I expected to kind of begrudgingly discuss this film, uh, only because at this point, like the film is so tied up in Nolan's like insistence that people go to a theater to see well, it, even true. though there's a raging I, pandemic. And I tried not to think about that as I was watching the film. Well, I so I didn't think about it while I was watching the film, but leading up, like when, once we decided we were doing the episode, yeah. and then, uh, you know, it took me a while to actually get around to watching it, and, uh, you know, I thought that I would feel it more an obligation or that I would be kind of just like very lukewarm coming into it. It certainly was a check box. It had to be checked. It it feels obligatory almost, you know, rather than like, Oh, I really want to see this film. Uh, it feels more like a, well, I have to see this movie now to get straight into the review. Christopher Nolan is amazing. Like, I, I, He's a fucking asshole. Don't get me wrong. And and Kylie even looked at me about two hours, probably about an hour 45 into this movie. And she was like, is he kind of an asshole for making this movie? <laughs> and, uh, but from the second, the second that the movie starts with the opera house scene, yeah. there are few people on this earth that can make things look as epic as Christopher Nolan can. Like this movie looks epic it does it does from have an epic scale go, to it it does you know, have an epic from scale the to get-go it. And, and imagine seeing that on a proper imax screen yes not here but it, proper and and you know he shoots on imax so it makes sense that yeah. you know like, and he wants you to that's that that's what if we're gonna hey if we're gonna knock the guy for being insistent let's just be blatant about what he's insistent about the thing that we feel would probably be a better version of this film and it would be yeah now the criticism that i you know levy against him is that it's just not responsible to do that right now i think i think that 
in long-term sense and just in like the general sense of like how movies should be seen. I think that's how movies should be seen. But I think that you under the circumstances have to make a concession given the unfortunate timing of your film's release. That's it. Now, aside from all of that, I'm watching it and I'm thinking like, Oh my God. I'm like, he's all five minutes in and I'm eating everything I've said about him over the past six months because it's so fucking good. Like it's so crazy like this movie is such an like who the fuck does this guy think he is to have even (laughs) attempted this like i'm watching and then like when uh when they're in oslo and they're in that weird like tax shelter uh vault place or whatever um And the guy comes the out. Freeport. Yeah, the Freeport. And the guy comes out backwards and he's having a fight with somebody who's moving backwards. Yeah. I'm at that point I'm watching this. I'm like, how the fuck is he doing this? Like, how from a technical perspective is he able to right. pull this off? Little did I know that there would be an entire huge like ambush scene in which some people are moving backwards and some people yeah. are moving forwards. And while I'm watching that, I'm like, how the fuck did he do this? Like, from a technical perspective, it is a feet of filmmaking like it is so crazy that this exists and that it looks the way that it does and that it's not like i say that he's so he's like probably the best at making films look like epic because michael bay can get the epic kind of scale as well but it always looks kind of cheesy and it looks like almost like a video game uh, you know uh, same with peter jackson i feel like they do a lot of action sequences at a higher frame per second Oh, which yeah, kind of takes I, away I some of the filmic look of it and said stuff. that especially about the hobbit films, about yeah, the hobbit I, films. And, but when when nolan does it it's not cheesy it's just fucking badass and yeah. like big and huge more and like just sahara like, epic yes exactly yeah. which since since mcconaughey <laughs> has gone on jordan b peterson's podcast we can't really worship sahara oh. the same way we used to yeah that's uh, that's sad but so, it's so i mean this movie's great i don't know what happened like I don't fully understand mm. it, but I loved it. Yeah, I have, I have a pretty good sense of what I think happened. I have a vague understanding. Um, I'm I'm surprised. I'm just gonna say out of the gate, I'm surprised that you're you're gushing over this the way that you are. I not that I didn't not that I didn't expect that you might like it on some level, but I I didn't expect like this almost full conversion to like now I almost it sounds like you almost feel guilty for having doubted the man going into it. Like why would I have you know, forsaken this guy who who's shown me again and again that he has this talent, this skill for being able to put together these complex narratives and and present it in this grand kind of framework. I think that it's a moving target, the idea of how COVID is truly affecting the movie industry. Yeah. I really hope, I hope we'll do a chapter of that in After Hours tonight. Sure. I mean, and really kind of go deeper into the whole what Nolan was talking about and was he justified? Yeah. Um. I, yeah. I have a question. You were about to say you think you understood what happened. For the most part. I mean, t- well enough to have enjoyed the film as it was happening and that I've continued thinking about a little bit since. Right. There Trying are to some, put the puzzle together a little yeah, bit? There yeah, there are still some gaps there, but I, I feel like I have a relatively coherent sense of a lot of the majority of what we see unfold in the film. Did you have a journey with that as you were watching it, though? Because I, like, I feel like at some point the three of us had a like very brief discussion of like people trying to understand it and like some of the jokes people have made like i saw i think it was shay serrano tweet like nolan's such a genius he made a movie so complicated that we had to see it twice and so he's gonna make double the money off <laughs> yeah, of us or yeah. whatever 
stuff like that. But that I feel, I feel like it was the three of us that were talking about. It, it was just like I don't, considered don't, watching w- it again during my window, a forty-eight hour window of having yeah. rented it. I considered it. Yeah. If it wasn't two and a half hours long, as soon as it ended, I would have started it over again. But I think I think we were saying something about like just watch it and don't worry about figuring it out while well, you're watching. I was going to say. So when I was watching it, and I only watched it once, I, I, I mean, very I similar to you, Joe. I was immediately thinking the next day, oh, maybe I'll play that again. The, the opportunity. I imagine it'll be a fun viewing the second time. Clues and oh, hints. absolutely, yeah, like yeah, memento. Yeah, well, yeah, like almost any of his films at at this point. I mean, that's kind of how he makes his films. Maybe with the Dark Knight trilogy accepted, although those anyway. Um, the the idea that you know he goes in and puts together this kind of world that has a specific kind of logic to it. And Joe said he has questions about the science of it and stuff. And you can ask that, but it's also in I would say primarily a sequence of action set pieces that work really well in their own, their own, the opera house, the free ports, uh, you know, plane crash, the big, you know, war at the end, essentially. I mean, a series of really cool heist movies. Absolutely. And if you can wait it out through like, you know, 10 to 15 minutes of exposition kind of between those action sequences, those action sequences deliver. So, I mean, this is a film that, I think the reason why a lot of his films work, Inception is kind of similar, that even if you don't want to get hung up on the logic of whatever this kind of narrative puzzle that he's putting together is for you, you can still get into the action stuff. And for an action film goer, that's mostly what they're looking for. Maybe a few clever lines. And, you know, again, we're Fast and Furious viewers. We know what we're going to like. This can function well enough to satisfy a Fast and the Furious itch in a certain way. Yeah, but don't you think that the brand that he's created for himself, Dark Dark Knight trilogy notwithstanding, the the brand of his films, Mm -hmm. Inception, Interstellar, they all make a ton of dough. He's they wouldn't make him, it unless you had. He's branded himself into that's much like Shyamalan at the beginning was like, oh yeah, this is the guy where we gotta go see the movie because he always delivers this one, two, three cool, yeah, cool thing. Sure. But the I, twist until Shyamalan's movie started to. Yeah. But I I feel like Nolan, you know what you're going to get, yeah. more or less. You know you don't know no. But I'm just saying and that I got thing- it this time again. Yeah, I'm, I'm, and I'm just saying that thing works for people who want to pick apart the narrative, you know, sort of mechanics of what's going on, but it also works well for the, and that's what allows his films to make hundreds of millions of dollars and not just, you know, respectable medium budget. Because you could have seen a guy like him who likes telling these kind of complex puzzle stories working at that more medium scale, but he definitely wanted also to be that kind of big epic grand scale spectacle filmmaker as well his career is pretty phenomenal if you consider the trajectory he got to be able to probably get most anything he wants you put a guy in hollywood never mind we'll talk about that in after hour i mean as opposed to you know fast and furious and some of those other ones but you're, you're also getting a slightly headier yeah. movie with him i think that's what i think that's why he's so important to like mainstream movies is that he's doing these very ambitious complicated things within the narrative as well and within the subject matter that he's grappling with and things like that but also because the action sequences are so incredible it has more mainstream appeal well and this is where he gets knocked by the highbrow critics he you know he, he there is a bit of that highbrow uh, backlash against a very middle brow kind of guy like Nolan, who 
I think is trying to entertain a huge audience, but also give enough there, you know, put enough out there that people can puzzle with it and think about it if they want to. They, you know, I, I there are plenty of people who would say that, you know, his version of, you know, these kind of philosophical quandaries that he builds are, you know, sort of shallow. And yeah, but if, if we're at a but, philosophy course, maybe, but no, we're not. We're at no, the movies. I, I understand. Where you, and I'm not one of those. I'm just saying that is the backlash yeah. that you hear against Nolan and that he's just... Anyway, so... I, 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 I never really walk away... Uh, underwhelmed um my my larger issue with the film was that it, it, aside from an action hero stance the the stakes are strange and it's difficult to know exactly what to root for yeah. so therefore the, the 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 protagonist is not a very compelling character to me outside of the ability to deliver a human body in the action sequences yeah. in the, that are being presented. So you think it was... Now, that's one of the things I've thought about since, is like, why this decision to just keep him protagonist? Um, you know, what is that like almost... I, I think it's forcing us to... To question our own idea of who do we align with in a film like that. Like you say, like you're dropped into this universe that you really understand very little about. The future seems to be trying to kill. Maybe we should be rooting for the future. Did the past screw things up so bad that they actually need to try to reverse climate change or what, you know, that, which it seems like what they're pointing to. Um, I, you know, t- to me, you get you get caught up in those things. And um, I don't know. I mean... Yeah, I'm not caught up in that. I mean, just for me, it's just if there was a time travel element presented, mm-hmm. I, I never, I, I stepped out of the room for a minute because I understood that when you went through the um, machine, the, the turnstile, turn inductor, what, what is it's it called? The turnstile. Turn I know, but what do they? What, what happens to you? You're in the which? You're inverted. 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 The inverted. Yes. Yes. Like we called it the inverter in my house. Okay. Uh, you came out at the. Th- not at the same time. There is a slight offset. Is that right? Offset. It seemed sure like I hadn't it seemed it like through. there was a bit of an offset between the well, time. Well, there was because the first time he walked through and saw the bullet holes at that inverter, and then the second time when he's the involved time. in the gunplay, uh, t- and then and then when Sater does when he's on the other side of the glass and he's doing that, it's a little bit. There's a little bit of an offset there. But it seems to me that it, you, when you use the inverter, the turnstile, you have the ability to say when you pop in and don't pop in, right? Is that how it works? No, it happens right away, I think. So, so it's just a loop that you goes go back in and, you and pop forth back out, and yeah. back and forth. Yes, I think you well, can... It's not a loop. It's like by inverting yourself, you start moving through time in a different direction, and then you right. have to uninvert yourself to right. get back to the Because back it can be confusing, we yeah. have a clue, and that is you're wearing a mask. So yeah. you can look for the mask or not the mask. And that's well, that's when, you when you're out in the real the, world, right? Yes, but then that's when if you're, you're on the one side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you're because the oxygen. I mean, I just wanted to get into it a little bit. No, it's. I mean, it's <laughs> it's a interesting. I do find it notable about this film that he seems to have and and correct me if i'm wrong listeners or anybody like this seems like a novel approach to time travel now i understand it it has certain elements like people talk about 
you know, whether it's a closed loop version of the, and I know it falls into some kind of category of time travel conceptualizations that people have, but the bottom line is I've never seen this kind of version where you're simply kind of like reverse motion through, like, so you actually have to live through that whole time where they like spend a week on a container ship, which we see like, you know, whatever, three minutes of where they have a conversation in that container, but you know, that that was a week of life that they had to live going backwards in a contained environment before they could get back to. So these characters, like the Neil character, right? That's Robert Pattinson's, am I getting? Yeah. Where he's clearly been far enough, way far into the future where John David Washington's character, protagonist, has had these epiphanies and come to learn all these things and really became the head of this tenet, you know, project, whatever it is. So you got to imagine decade more that he lived in the future and then had to live that backwards in some kind of contained unit for at least a decade, maybe, to come back to it. That was the sort of stuff that I started thinking about after the film where I'm like, oh, wow, to be able to pull that kind of thing right. off, that's right. pretty insane. I mean, but then... So th- for Kenneth Branagh to show up at the car chase... Right. That's not a lot of time, though, and that's takes scenario. a lot of calendaring. Um, also... I just assumed, I didn't even look it up, that it was Hans Zimmer. It wasn't. It was Ludwig yeah. Göransson, who well, is a much better composer than Hans Zimmer is. So you, uh, you were going to say, I thought this was one of Zimmer's best scores. Now, well, no, now, I, 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 you know. He I, was going to compliment Zimmer under protest. Yeah. But well, now no, he can freely give. No, not under protest. Uncensored. Because um, at some point we had to, we had to talk about the, uh, um, how when you're following certain uh um uh, just drink it joe <laughs> jesus <laughs> why you guys we're, are doing this all, whole thing yeah um like when you're watching blue team the score is backwards and then it kind of goes back forwards again when you go back to red team and like the score is like reflecting the moving of time or uh-huh. whatever but i'm reading here that he researched retrograde composition in order to generate melodies that would sound the same forward and backwards. So that's interesting. And you can, he experimented with distorted industrial noise and to represent Sater's irradiated breathing, asked Nolan to tape his own in studio. Uh, I mean, the score was great, and there's I, some great I, sound in there. But you know, I mean, it's not—it's not melody-driven the way like a John Williams score or something. Would no, be, but, they, but but that's good for this story. I yeah. think it, I think it should be unsettling and kind of constantly keeping you on your feet. I think it worked well in the film. I do think what people have been saying about the sound mix on this film is totally true. I am so glad I didn't see it in the theater without the subtitle the option. Subtitles were nice. Especially once we got going. Like, if we were just in dialogue and I could keep it at a volume where the dialogue was good, great. But as soon as any score came in or, or any action, sound, yeah, yeah, it gets it just loud. Boom. Yeah. And so, yeah. Super loud. I, I agree. I do understand people's uh, grievance with that. I think, you know, I don't know, get over it. But, um, I mean, especially if you're in a theater where it's loud. I, I get- felt that way with Dunkirk. I, it's it's something that's happened to me with his films enough where I people always I, bitch about Bane. But I do think it's partly intended. And in, you know, I know that was a joke that you were you know kind of quoting there about like you know he makes films that you have to see a second time. He's you know he's fooled us all. I think yeah no he he makes films that he wants people to see multiple times and I think intentionally burying some dialogue in the mix or turning it into something where it's more of a challenge to make out those finer details 
I think he knows that people who are drawn to those kind of stories are going to like buy it, watch it again, freeze frame it, you know, look at all the detail. Which why wouldn't you? We listen to records over and over again. Me once through and then I'm just once through and then you sell them back to me. Uh, No, you're absolutely right. I mean, we should watch. We should watch movies we like with films. It's a little bit more of a challenge. I will say, like there, there are fewer films that I want to listen to, like or watch, like I listen to records. But there are some. Anyway, that's the ones you watch over and over are your favorite films in some degree or one or another. Am I gonna look forward to and eagerly watch this movie a second time? No. But I will see it again. You don't think you will? No, I don't think it was fine. I'm I'm certain it I will was, watch this again. It was again the someday. next Christopher Nolan movie, and now I'm kind the, of the, the my Kaiser Soze moment was when uh, he was when we realized he's fighting himself. Yeah, and it, one of them's wearing a mask. One of them's not wearing. Yeah, I don't know if that's a Kaiser Soze moment, but I understand what you're saying. Well, oh, it's like oh, okay. Now I see that he's in hit. That's what was mine. Yeah, you, yours the might book. have been sooner. Yours might have been later. Whatever. No, it was. mine was that moment too. I, when I when I was like, oh motherfucker, and then you notice that, and then yeah. and then the car. Well, I right. was going to say, didn't the car happen before that? Uh, I, no, you know, no, the yeah, right, because the car right, is where right. it first reverses. That's where I had my like little light bulb okay now i see he's encountered himself several times i don't know i just i kind of knew that there's but more to but that. he didn't he didn't know until they got into until they kind of arrived there that it was he didn't see no, himself no he didn't, he he didn't, didn't know. see himself yeah. neil saw saw him and was like yeah Right. And well, the, and Neil has seen a lot of things. He's seen a lot of things. <laughs> As we find out later uh, on. Yeah. Um, I lost my train of thought. This 11.5 is worth It's an easy <laughs> film. Okay, yeah. You were saying you are not excited to rewatch it and that you're lukewarm about this I'm film, just, which I don't understand. I think this uh, is interesting. It's like, the, it's almost opposite. I thought I was going to, well, I, I ended up in the middle, I think. But I thought it was going to be Joe. Oh, it's not Gangbusters bad. excited about the film. It's, Carlos it's, a little bit more tepid. Me in the middle. It's not bad. I'm not saying. But you're don't not going to rewatch it. it. Me not, and Joe not, have inverted ourselves, <laughs> and I'm not eager to to rewatch it the way that I was, say, Interstellar. See, I'm excited. I'm excited to rewatch. See, this I've movie. never watched Interstellar. I think I'll rewatch this one before you, that. You've See, never they, watched Interstellar at I, all. No, I never rewatched the never Interstellar uh, Kaiser Soze moment. The aha. The oh, I see what trick has been played upon me. I yeah. hate giving that guy that much credit. What's his name? Brian Singer. Brian. I hate giving him yeah. that much credit that he has dubbed this. He is. I'm looking at. Yeah, the, yeah. I'm looking at the film. Right. Right. Um. Well, that's that's the the Kaiser Soze moment for me is the uh, we, I need to watch this again. I need to see. I get it now. There were clues. Six cents. I mean, there's several of them, you know. But this one to me was oh, that was a fantastic Christopher Nolan product. I'm it, I agree with everything you say about the cinema cinematic notion of it all. This would have been a movie to see in the theater. Yeah. This might have been a movie I enjoyed a little bit more in the theater. But there's a character the 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 blonde. Um, the girl that the scientist, I guess, that's putting oh, him into the first uh, the, shows him right. the inversion. Yeah, we don't know a lot about it, right? But here's what we do know, and she starts rattling off facts, and yeah. she goes, "Don't try to understand it. Just yeah, feel yeah, it. Yeah, just yeah, feel yeah, it, or just and that's enjoy how I feel it. about the I movie. Well, that's I, it's I, her I telling like you how to feel about that the movie. Has been, I believe yeah. that Christopher Nolan was that was a line directed to the audience. Sure, yeah. uh, on purpose. Don't 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 social media bullshit this movie to death. Just enjoy it yeah, i think it's more at your first time through 
just let it happen, enjoy what's going on. And then, yeah, you know, if you want to get fussy with the details and find out, go scrutinize it. Yeah. And and him with a fair amount of confidence that he's probably gotten it right. I mean, what I do give him credit for is he tends to think these things through. Well, and he has like it all very mapped out. 15 years in the yeah. making kind of thing. That, you know, he, he doesn't just put a concept out there. Yeah. He really thinks it through. 15 really years in the making so he wasn't trying to one-up looper <laughs> as i understand it he he's he was cultivating the idea for the script for a decade so that's what he probably i mean said there's no how so else that may not be true how else would you come up with the, how else would you write a coherent script based around this unless you sat on it for 10 well, years well the notion there though like a Shyamalan thing is you run out of the crispest idea for the next thing and then we could talk about when did Shyamalan fall apart? Maybe later. Uh, <laughs> we could, we could do we, that. We, I think we have done that. Yeah. What we haven't done is talk about Abraxas. Don't no, try to not keep yet. Me on track. I'm not no, done. I'm not, not done with Tenet. You, you yet. Go? Okay. I'm not done with Tenet. Oh, yeah. You found some more stuff on the internet to read. Dan. No, Kenneth Branagh is so good in this. We didn't talk about him at all. He is good. You know, he's and, great and now, in this okay. movie. I mean. He's yeah. played this character several times. I know he's. I know he's done some like variations of this before. I like but it. man, I fucking hate him. Yeah, no, no, you hate him. Like that's. I mean, that's a really good performance. When the yeah. wife was great, uh, Robert Pattinson underwhelmed. He didn't. I mean, I think do he. Much I think he was good. Uh, uh, I think he was exactly sequence. what he needed to be for the film. Yeah, because if he, he had been good. flashier, then you start asking questions. The whole idea is like he flies under your radar, and then he wants that ter- that comment at the end to be like, "Oh shoot, this yeah. is like yeah, had a right. whole yeah, that's, thing." That's a fair point. Just like the Gap Band, he dropped a bomb on you. He dropped a bomb on you. Yeah, that's uh, that's right. Baby. That's right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. Now are we? No, no, sure, no, if you no, guys are done with the no, film. No, 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 no. Oh, I, think, I, I think you're you. right, though. We we kind of glossed over the performances. I actually think, pretty much predictably, he works with great performers. You know, I mean, yeah. it's great to see him slip Michael Caine in there. I know some people get, oh, geez, do we need to yeah. see? To me, of course, I'll never yes. say, oh, geez. Do we have to see Michael Caine again? Because it's great the guy's still alive. I'll be sad when he goes. He's what? Is he ninety? I mean, he's, he's getting pretty up old, there. Yeah. He's like a Dick Van Dyke. These are guys who you won't see much when you when they show up on the screen. There you go. Okay. Um, so I was super impressed. Elizabeth Debicki is one that, like you said, widows. She also, I think, delivered a really good performance. I liked her in this role, which is kind of a. It was an interesting role because it's one that feels paper thin, but then it's almost intentional. And then you kind of see how, as that develops, what, what was going on there. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I find very little to criticize in the film. I do know that some people um, get hung up on why do you need to go to these lengths to create these kind of weird, you know. Because it's so much fun. But, but that's <laughs> the thing. I mean, I do think two sci-fi nerds, and I'm much more a sci-fi nerd than a fantasy nerd. I think I've said that. On, like, yeah. to me, if I'm going to nerd out, I'm going to nerd out on technology that takes you in a strange direction. Aliens that have a totally different, you know. Not sorcery. Not sorcery, not yeah. dragons. not And that's great. I, I mean, love a good dragon. People who love that stuff, I'm married to Did one of them. Did you watch Game of Thrones? Um, no, it's come up a bunch of I times. Didn't, he has not. Yeah, and, and I'm not compelled to. But we'll see. One of these days, wow. maybe fantasy will hit the big screen again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I uh, that would be interesting. If I think Peter Jackson's ruined it for everybody, um, maybe. But so we probably won't get a lot of that. I don't know. It's interesting that I have had the same experience with Christopher Nolan two times in a row now, when. I pulled up his filmography earlier so I could speak to this in a more coherent fashion. So Interstellar comes out mm-hmm. 
and I am fucking doing backflips. I'm like, fuck yeah, this looks so good. Mm -hmm. Fucking Christopher Nolan in fucking space, let's go. And I'm so fucking hyped, and I go see it, and I'm like, this movie rules. And then you would think that after Dark Knight Rises, Inception, Dark Knight, Prestige, Batman Begins, Insomnia we don't talk about, Memento. I mean, it's just hit after hit after hit. And then the trailer for Dunkirk comes out, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Like, why are you doing... Do we need another movie about this, about World War II? Do we need that? We don't. Fuck this movie. I'm pissed off about it. Mm. I'm just so like, Dunkirk was a breaking point with you. I didn't know that. Yeah, Dunkirk was one where I was like, "This is fucking dumb. You're better than this." Like, we have Saving Private Ryan. We need to move on from World <laughs> War II. We have Saving Private Ryan and Glorious Bastards. That's all we need for World War II movies. We're done. And then I go see the movie, and I'm like, "That's Fuck, not man. a real. No, hold on, that's not, not a real point of view that you have. You own a is. record store. There's only two jazz albums, no more." No, it's different, though, because World War II movies are so tied up in this American exceptionalism, like, nationalism well, not nonsense. Well, his. Not not, well, that's his. what I'm saying, yeah. though, is, like, yeah. so I went and saw it, and I, and just like with Tenet, I had to, like, eat my words, because I saw it, and I was like, fuck, man, that was... And you're that changing. Was, that was really good. He and, hasn't changed, and, Carlos, you're changing. And even with that one, I had to, it was very Tenet-esque, because I had to, because the different timelines are happening, and that's not there's no title cards to tell you that in Dunkirk, you know? No, uh, no. And so true. it's kind of jarring the first time you see it and you're like, yeah, no, that, that was one fuck? that I had to see a second time yeah. to really understand it. And then, frustrated. That one frustrated me more than this one. <laughs> I, was, did. I was, I was, I was exceptionally more confused in Dunkirk than I was in this one. Cause at least in Tenet, there are people trying to tell you what's going on in Dunkirk. It's just like, look at these things yeah. and figure it out. And then, and so I saw it and I was like, man, that was really good. Like I need to see that again at some point. And then thankfully Ethan did the, um, Bill Huey, uh, Bill Huey's, did, screening, uh, yes. did that screening. So I got to go to that and I was like, and so the second time I saw it, I was like, fuck, this is even better than I thought that it yeah, was. Yeah. And then this movie comes out and like, I'm kind of excited about it, but the trailers are so vague and it's like so hard to really know what the fuck. And right. it looks, it looks kind of pompous and pretentious based on the trailers and yeah. to a certain degree. And, and so then again, a second time in a row, I'm thinking to myself, all right, Nolan, we get, we get the Nolaniness of it all. Come uh-huh. Bring it down a little bit. Bring it down. Yeah. And then, of course, as soon as I start watching this movie, I'm like, "This is the best thing I've ever seen." <laughs> it's so good. I, we'll, so we'll I, you know, on your top. If I, if I, yeah, uh, top Ooh. ten for sure. Mm. Ten, it will be in my You're top ten. Interesting. I just, I don't know if it will, but this, but I the scale it. is I so impressive, it, and I'm impressed with it. And we're gonna keep talking about him because we have another of his films that we're pairing with this. But I feel like we should talk about Let's the beer. It. Before we get because to the- it's so far in the past right now, I need to actually go through a turnstile so that I can re-experience. I'm sorry, my love of Christopher Nolan, though I have to say this before we move on, is similar to my love of someone like Kanye West. Like Kanye West's production is so big and bombastic and lush and like uh-huh. dense and larger than life in a way where it's like I could never. I don't even understand how you're doing this, let alone could I ever even fathom being a part of creating something like this. Yeah. That you're in awe. That is what you're in awe. That's what that's what Tenet is for me. I'm just like, wow. Inspiring. I get it. Just like with this beer, when I take a sip of it, I'm just like, wow. Hey, I like that segue. Thank you. And I think it's an appropriate one. This is an this is a this is an a wow moment sort of beer, I feel like. I mean, I have had this once before. 
smaller portion. We, we, the three of us, just split a 750 milliliter bottle. So that's a pretty respectable pour for each of us. But I think I was at a beer share where I was probably drinking more like an ounce, maybe. Good stuff. But man, getting to sip on this, I mean, it went down so fast. Yeah, it was good to let it it warm up and have that journey too. But it was dangerous. I mean, that stuff just like, yeah. For 11.5%, it's hidden. It is, yeah, you don't, it's not super boozy. The chili's not over the top. You know, you're with the chili beer, you're you're always flavor, not. It's in there as a, yes, it's a note. It's It's a note. Yeah, it's nice. I could have used more chili. Yeah, you always say I that, and I, and I think that it could be more intense here, and it would still be very good and drinkable, but I like what they've done here. I mean, I, I'm thinking that we've had an outstanding beer, paired it with a pretty outstanding film, um, so I call that a win for segment one, or is it, yeah. of, of this episode? <laughs> <laughs> segment two. Yeah, but, but, uh, but we're going to take a break, right? Have we all talked about this? Are we good with the beer? Joe didn't really say much about you, the beer. No, I, I agree with you guys. You care, yeah. It's it's a beautiful mouthfeel. Yeah. Yes. And just the body you want for an imperial exactly. style. And that ta- the, the taste profile is so well balanced. Mm-hmm. A little more spice would have been nice, but 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 they didn't. It was fine, you know. It's spicy food. <laughs> That's last week. <laughs> so we I make would spicy cuisine. I have told everybody I know about Lovers Rock. I know, yeah. yeah. We did. I've been talking about it okay. nonstop. Right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Beer was so, fantastic. Movie was enjoyable. Night at my home. The only complaint I have is that the screen that I have is too small. Couldn't contain the power. It was a, it was a lot. It was a lot there. I. I'll see it again. Well, we couldn't contain the power either. We knew we had to do not just one Nolan film, but two in this episode. So in the second half, we'll come back at you with some early Nolan. was the interesting part mm. we're kind of back but we were already talking about <laughs> uh we're getting really bogged down in in in, in between the breaks we're about to open another beer I, yeah. really bogged down in the mechanics of and david you mentioned about tenet that the why are why are the objects able to be contained in drawers but would it what it doesn't matter if an object is uh predisposed to moving backwards or forwards through time it would still need to be acted upon because it's inanimate I thought so it was the force. That would be the drawer thing, right? Like, unless somebody opened the drawer and did something to this inanimate no, that, object. No, that was the point that they did make was that this acts different than a person who has to be intentional. Yeah, yeah. But, but an inanimate object is not intentional. Yeah, and I just don't get, like, the car that he was driving in, had that been put through the process? Okay. Let, the, we'll, but we'll, we'll, we'll Patreon, yeah. Yeah, we'll yeah, we, we can talk about that more Patreon.com slash Brian Movie Podcast. Five dollars a month gets but you a bonus episode. But we're really back. We are really and we're really back. We're really back. <laughs> <laughs> right now, what we're gonna do is we're gonna drink some beer. And we're gonna talk about a simpler film, a simpler time when is it when Christopher Nolan it, when Christopher <laughs> Nolan just didn't have as big of a budget to work with and couldn't was, get quite as elaborate when he was writing, out. directing, shooting, editing, yeah, no, and producing. That, that's impressive. I mean, but, he still produces. But also. but where also charges could be made and were made by some audiences and and maybe even some critics that he's not necessarily the easiest most transparent clearest storyteller that 
maybe even his storytelling could get a little bit murky at times. What we have filling our glass glasses right now, gentlemen, is a quadruple IPA called Merc Merchants. So Mer- Merc, you know, that the, the time. Can you believe here, that in 2021 people still drink single IPAs or I even know, double IPAs? Right? Huh? Do you even IPA? Do you is, even <laughs> IPA, bro? This is Blackstack Brewing out of uh, St. Paul, Minnesota. Hijacked my can. I'm a huge I need a ride home. By the way, I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where are we headed? For real? L- love the great state of Minnesota. Yeah. Um, and 12.5%. So we've gone up. We've gone up in a. It is rare that we start at 115 and then go well, up. Well, that's what I like to do. You know, occasionally Carlos kind of gets that like, oh, things are getting a little bit, you know, humdrum and mundane here on Beer in a Movie. No, and I think that the we average. We haven't had one of those episodes where just things get kicked up into the stratosphere. I think that the like, average ABV of every beer we drank dipped below 8.3 and Carlos got scared. Yeah. yeah I got so man. let's let's top load. Well, uh, this, is for a few episodes. this is helping. Twelve and a half Merc merchants. Merc merchants. Quag. Yeah. Okay, help me out. This is where I don't. I know the answer, but I'm pretend like I don't. A quadruple. <laughs> Thank you for being transparent. What are they quadrupling? The hops. The hop. Bill. No, 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 no. It's more the grain bill when you're going quad because you're getting the ABV up. You got to get up the sugars. You got to get up the malt. I thought yeah. it was like. I mean, the, you, you I guess quadruple ten... dry hopped is what I'm thinking. Yes. Of. No. When we talk about some sort of double dry hopping triple dry yeah those no, are this is yeah this is this is more just a straight quad in the sense that a belgian quad yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. or uh you know that that's really the only See, version I'm, that i can think of yeah even though you knew the answer thank you for asking and as far as sequencing is concerned clearly. i'm gonna take at least two three hearty sips to get that abraxas whatever it's called yeah to clear that one out that was, um, that was good so all right the, we, we, we saw Nolan's last film, his most, most recent. Most recent. Yeah. Now, and now we are watching Nolan's first film, which first is first feature. This might be in my like top ten all time. Really, movies is a movie that I love, and so I really fought for doing this instead of a second new release to go with this yeah. because I like this movie so much. And this is this is a movie where when I was still a single man. Uh, and I started dating somebody new. I, would <laughs> I think show, that should be the title of the episode when right I was there. Still a Christopher single Nolan, man. when I was still a single man. I would show someone I started dating this film just to see what they thought about it. Was it was a barometer. To see if, if they were like, fuck that. that it's was amazing was like, mm. that you're married right now. It I'm is, just it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's one of the most film bro things that I've ever oh, done yeah, in my life. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't get more like <laughs> Twitter film bro than that. I subjected my first dates to El Mariachi. So oh, hey, I'm that's completely a good one too. But it's because the first I saw this head. <laughs> Get out. The first time I saw this movie, I hadn't seen anything like it before. I think I may I think I had seen Memento at that point and I was like going backwards and so I I got the idea of reverse I definitely saw it after Memento, but it was just I, oh, after Memento. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I definitely saw it after Memento um as well, but I, probably the wasn't I, available the until idea, after Memento. Well, Limited, yeah, 2012 yeah, yeah. was when it got a wide home video release via Criterion. Was it that? Yeah, it was on the 11th of December 2012. Yeah. But but anyway, it it the idea of reverse order of a narrative made sense to me. The idea of a random order of a narrative really fucking shook my brain in a way. So when I saw this movie, I was like, what the fuck? And then also uh, realizing what small, like limited means it was made with, I was like, dang, this is fucking crazy. Um, so to synopsize, 
it's like um like a neo noir following is like a neo noir thriller about a guy um did they ever give him a definitive name no uh this this young man who uh is unemployed and has taken to following people around just to kind of see what they do with their lives and Creates a set of rules for himself. Yeah, so it doesn't get out of hand and stuff, but he starts breaking them. And then eventually he gets tangled up with this criminal named Cobb, uh, who is, he, he's, he, he's a burglar. He burgled, Dom Cobb? Uh, what? <laughs> Dom Cobb? You know, from Inception. Did you, did you, you guys oh, don't get the... No, the, they, 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 he, the name gets reused in, Ips- yeah, in, in yeah, Inception yeah, by yeah, Nolan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Dom Cobb. Sure. We just liked how uh, we just liked how much you thought we were gonna know what the fuck you were talking about. I really about. thought you would know the Leo DiCaprio went, character from Inception. Sorry. No. I I remember his no name being Cobb. For- uh but yeah, and so and so and so then he gets involved with this guy and he starts breaking into people's homes, which is the like, you know, next step of finding out what people's lives are like other than following them. Uh but Cobb may not be who he says he is. Now all of this to say that the order in which we're discovering all of this stuff is seemingly random, and it is very, I mean, it's disorienting, but it's also, it makes it, I mean, to me, it makes it more exciting, because then you're really an active part in figuring it out what's going on. To do, no, no doubt. You know, and uh, you almost feel like the protagonist trying to unravel this tangled web of lies and deceit and uh nefarious intentions and, yeah. yeah but i i had seen it i saw the same order as i guess we all did i saw memento was blown away i rode that wave when memento came out i think i saw memento in the theater and thought yeah this is worth all of the hype that it's getting and it's also the same thing carlos it's I have seen films that play with narrative timeline, but this one is just insane. Memento, I'm talking about yeah. now. Uh, the performances and all. So, um, what was right after Memento? Uh, it was Insomnia. Insomnia. Okay, yeah. that was the, Which we don't talk about. the big uh, studio money grab, big names, big Stephen Robin King. Williams, Al yeah. Pacino. No, he yeah. was an I attempt at a, at a medium-sized budget. Lukewarm, yeah, 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 yeah. lukewarm it reception. It was not very good. Uh, but then what was after that? Batman Begins. Okay, no, so now it's we'll like see, yeah, you're, you're getting right. into... And then the prestige, right? Let me look back at, oh, there's a thing, and this exists, and let me look at this director's career, and you guys know I'm all about that. I want to dive into a director. I like to do it chronologically to see the evolution mm-hmm. all that. Um, The El, Mar- El Mariachi thing was a joke, but, I mean, you guys know my love for El Mariachi and Clerks and uh, Reservoir Dogs and, you know, I mean, those first films Miramax. from these directors. <laughs> 90s American Welcome Indies. to the Let's 90s, man. That. Yeah. yeah, you looked <laughs> forward to that Miramax logo. That Miramax logo thought meant that you were going to see something different than uh, other yeah. American cinema. Once upon a time. Once upon a time, yeah. It, it is weird to look at it now. Um, <laughs> yeah. It was weird for some so people. So I, I love a director's first film, and I love it when it's under budgeted for them, for their talents. And every single, I think, director that I just listed, even Kevin Smith, to go back and see that first film when they're he's doing all the work and he's and they're pulling every penny out of everything they can yeah. to put the, the the film together that we're gonna make. 
And most of those films are not career launchers, but the list I just gave, they all were. And Nolan deserves it all. I mean, this is a low-budget first film. You see some of the scotch tape, you know, when you're watching it. But uh, it's very, very enjoyable. It's it's a fun look back at where where now we know where he has gone. Absolutely. No, I mean, I, I, I remember seeing this film back you know, circa whatever, 2002, 2001, when Memento had come out, seeing this on DVD at the time and thinking, um, you know, this is something pretty amazing when you can work with so little and kind of put together a story that's a little bit befuddling, but comes together really nicely by the end of it. Um, it it was fun to go back and watch it again. Yeah. The la- I mean, the last scene when like all the cards get laid out on the table and you're just like, fuck. Yeah. It was very, very. Sim- I mean, you see a guy who has had a pretty clear identity throughout his entire career because this. I mean, the same thing happens in Tenet when Neil lays it out. Yeah. For the protagonist and is like, this is the end of a very long friendship, and the guy's like. Yeah, but, that's like, a, but you called the film Nolan-y, or we we call a film Nolan-y. Is this one going to be too Nolan-y? That's a Nolan trademark. Yeah, and, and I'm concerned moving forward that w- if the trajectory is to be up, I mean, it, but he but he didn't do that in Dunkirk, and he no, didn't do it. That was a more straightforward. And narrative he didn't do it in a, any no, of the that was Dark Knight trilogy. He played with the narrative there, but it but it didn't have the same kind of. It didn't. It didn't have the Kaiser Soze moment. It just well, had a like. It had Nolan touches. He started where he began. You know, blah 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 blah. I mean, there's a bunch yeah. of stuff. His, like his wristwatch and the score. But know, I think I that know, maybe, I guess maybe that's where Nolan goes. Is he clears his palette of this requirement of the puzzle? Well, yeah. Every three films or two films. That's or so. that's a great question. What what would that turn into? I mean, I think early on, it's it's you know, watching this again, um, thinking about Memento, following it. Think of insomnia is a bit of an anomaly because he didn't write that one. It was an adaptation of a was it Swedish originally? I don't. It was an adaptation of another film. That was a um, Stephen King novel. No, no. <laughs> um, it is a remake that. of a 1997 Norwegian film of Norwegian. The same name. It was written you. by Hilary Seitz. There we go. So, so you know he's remaking. Oh, but then once Hilary you get, Swank, you know, oh once you get into the uh, you know the Dark Knight stuff, like the, he is, you know. You don't have quite those same moments. So he's he's able to make films in different modes. We know that. But but it seems like when he's writing and it's like his own property, it's something that he's drawn to pretty clearly. Um, it, yeah, I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting. But it, before, you know, I feel like we really haven't talked about following itself maybe as much as we could. It's interesting to watch, you know, th- these guys who remained relatively unknown i know one of the guys never went on to really do anything else on screen uh the cob character uh-huh. um the, and he's really good he's really good and i and the um the other guy has shown up in things but largely you know smaller roles but he's really good in this too and it's amazing to who, see Cobb? nolan um say that again Ooh. Oh, no, Cobb you... is the one who I don't think has ever been on screen. No, again. the main oh, guy, uh, Jeremy Theobald or whatever. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he hasn't been in a lot. But no, and I mean, he shows up. He's been in a couple of Nolan's films. Yeah. I think he's in Tenet, maybe, or he has... he's in Batman Begins. Okay, uh, um, and he was in his short film Doodlebug. Yeah, but it, like you know, smaller pieces. But but I mean, these are good performances that that he gets out of them, and and I think it's uh, 
I don't know. I think it's really interesting to see on a small scale, on a small budget, how you work around maybe the limitations of your actors. Sure. Not that I thought about that much when I was first watching it, but watching it uh, this time. The female time, lead, I, had a, I didn't think she was that great at all. I think that's I liked know, her in budget, this. budget stuff. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, she, I actually really liked her in this movie. The actress in Tenet is a woman that you change your life for, you know, as far as presentation on yeah. screen. This looked like a girl you'd find at any bar in London. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <laughs> that's that that's a well thing. that was brutal uh right, she, well, I, th- she, I thought she, she had, had life she, no i i i thought she i thought she had like I don't 12 and a half right okay. <laughs> the, she had like all the trappings of like the a femme fatale yeah uh, yeah i mean she was uh, i mean ever performing that yeah yeah and she it, wasn't lana turner no it's it, i think she was yeah she wasn't elizabeth taylor or anything you know but getting it Getting into the sort of conceptual piece of the Christopher Nolan films, I love that he starts his career, you know, at least in terms of feature filmmaking, with this idea of, you know, the kind of observer, the voyeur, this guy who's like drawn to watching things. I mean, it's a very cinematic thing, right? This is something that Hitchcock is mind, rear window, this whole idea of, you know, following and watching and sort of being an observer, but then getting drawn in oneself and how complicit is one. Is he guilty at the end of this? Because wasn't he just along for the ride? Wasn't it Cobb who was really pulling the strings here? But wait, he was doing these, you know, when does it go from one is simply an observer to one is an active participant to one is complicit to one, you know, all of those questions. It's a really... I know, it's a really fun way to start one's career, but it, you know, it, I think for somebody who's going to be a filmmaker like this and try to be this kind of thought-provoking storyteller throughout his career, it's a very apt place to start with that. Um, and it's interesting because I don't think his his career has gone on, you know, in in terms of what you see in his other films to really mind that as much as the stuff about memory and one's sort of, you know... the. I think the the chronology, the the mixed chronology of the storytelling is something he's carried over, but not as much about the voyeurism and the and you know like watching from outside, being an observer, that kind of thing. And watching it for the second time and remembering a lot of it from the first time many years ago. Yeah, he puts the clues in. The changing haircut is helpful mm-hmm. uh, as they go back and forth in time. The shave, uh, the the bruises and uh, bruising on the face after the beating. Uh, I, I enjoyed this a lot, and I you know what else I enjoyed about it. And also, um, Lovers Rock last week. It's a feature length film, technically, but an hour ten minute runtime yeah, yeah. isn't horrible when that's the size, when that's the amount of minutes you require to tell the story that you need. Right? How many ninety minute films have we watched where we're like we could have lost twenty minutes, or two and a half hour movies where you could have <laughs> sure. lost forty five minutes? I mean, or so three I, notable notable. <laughs> I did not feel that way with Tenet, though. I, I did not. I, no, I'll I say didn't. like that, that. I was more referencing Wonder Woman. I no, I, I understand, but I'm just saying. You know, I think he does, he's capable of making long narrative, you know, films that are close to three hours in length that still need that time because there's so much going on and all that. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's just so much good about this. And like, if anything, I mean, one of the things that's the, you know, kind of most uh, striking about the film is just how clearly uh, you know 
here's I mean here's a filmmaker that is doing so much with so little can you imagine what he's gonna do if he ever gets any money you know what I mean and the cleverness of the filmmaking I mean uh from like a more like technical perspective uh you know most of this is shot out in the streets of london yeah. or in the, the cafe scene yeah. uh you know out of different people's houses and stuff like that so there's not a lot of control over your circumstances especially in the public places because there was never anything closed off or uh you know sectioned off for the shooting of this film they just did it in the places where they needed to do it and so there was you know it, exhaustive rehearsing done a lot of the takes or a lot of what you see in this film is the only take they shot you know like uh, sometimes the second take but in a lot of scenes they only shot one take they only shot one take of each person's coverage and stuff like that well shooting on as small as a a budget they had yeah they couldn't afford the film stock yeah there wasn't much you could do and they were shooting on 16 yeah and like it's impressive that he's able to put together such a quality film under said circumstances but the cleverness that he uh you know shows in this film is because of all the stuff i just said about you know the uncontrollable environments that they're shooting in there's one scene where they have control over everything and it's the interview scene between uh the young man and the detective and so that is the only scene where a dolly is used it's like one of the only scenes that's on sticks like everything is handheld and him choosing to start the film with a steady shot with a dolly shot and then taking it handheld and then coming back to it again fools you as an audience member to think okay, so all this shaky camera work is intentional. Like, I'm supposed to be, like, right there with them, and I'm looking at everything the same way that they're, you know? And it's just, it's a budget restraint is what it is. But the way that he, the way that he does it and the way that he contextualizes all of it makes Mm -hmm. it seem like even if he had a huge budget, he would have done it that way. You know what I mean? And that's the kind of, like, cleverness when you're watching someone's early work and, like, or, or just seeing, like, indie films in general that, you can kind of, you know, even though you can kind of see the seams, if you're looking really hard, you can be like, mm, there's something, this guy is doing something here, you know? And yeah. There's a, yeah, and this there's is a, one of a your, big future for this guy. El Mariachi, uh, I'm going to go back to that and just like talk about how real it is. It's, it was on my top 10 list for a long, long time. It may still be there. I don't know. I haven't analyzed the top 10 list in too long could be a covid project coming up soon <laughs> but i don't begrudge this being on yours it's not on mine um it's not on my top five nolan films list but i think that so much of the experience you have with film is who you are and when you are on the journey of i don't know becoming a cineista does sure. it make sense that this isn't my favorite nolan film but it's the only nolan film yeah, to that, appear in my top 10 it makes sense to me it makes sense. Yeah, to me. well, I mean, I think hearing what you said, you're obviously you're impressed with him being able to algorithms work are complicated with those <laughs> yeah. with with those means that he had, and and I think you know seeing it at a time where you were probably thinking more about filmmaking as like how do you do that with the limited means, That's limited resources at one. Yeah. This is one of those, and I think you know you comparing it to El Mariachi, we could compare it. To clerks you have done that as well slacker you know these films that are like these first films of various an, directors that just have that kind of yeah you know more there 
Exactly. They're able to do such amazing things with those limited resources. You're left feeling like, oh, this is amazing. Now, I, I think this film works really well on its own. And honestly, having just rewatched Clerks somewhat recently, um, I How'd think you feel about that. I think this one stands up a whole lot better. I think that you mm, see the following. I think following has a lot more of a. It's bigger. It's bigger. And it's a it's, universal story. And it's and it's more. Um, it's more worked out. It's more like it. It all holds together. You know what I mean? Like I watch it and I'm like, yeah, that still works. Clerks. The, we we can talk about maybe after after I'd hours. I'd love to. I don't yeah, know if I, I feel exactly like it holds together in the way that it once did. Okay. But that's you know that that's maybe more. Uh, when should we start holding auditions for new co-hosts? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know if I disagree. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. What? I have to leave. <laughs> <laughs> what was the Kevin Smith movie that just came out with the daughters and the the, the most recent one? Uh, the Jay and Silent Bob and they're oh, all bad. Oh, uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Reboot. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about this. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I, I, all right. I mean, I don't know. I this It's an impressive movie. And it's especially, I mean, again, like, it's a fucking high concept movie for somebody's sure. first fucking but no not, money. But we've but, seen a much higher concept movie since then. For me, it was yesterday, last night. Ten. <laughs> sure. Yeah. But it's amazing how, uh, you know, to, to kind of counter my beer selection here, I don't find this film to be murky. I didn't the first time I watched it, and I really haven't felt that way with any of his films too, too much. Um, I think that he gives you just enough as an audience to get along and and to move along in the direction that he wants you to i felt that way when i was watching following the first time i felt that way when i was watching tenet this time it's just i think part of the pleasure that he's trying to deliver is he's giving you enough to get along through it and then a real punch at the end that makes you feel like oh my gosh there was way more even going on than i realized that makes you want to go back for more like and that i i find like that is a trick that's a gimmick i suppose but boy if you can pull that off, that's a pretty cool trick, and yeah. by all means, do it. <laughs> yeah, if you if if you can pick somebody's card out of the deck every single time, like that's always like impressive. You yeah, know? Like, yeah. Uh, Show me that one more time. <laughs> I, you know, and I also think one of the things that I love about this movie so much is that I do feel like it's you know fairly high concept or whatever, but it also shows nolan's affinity for genre yeah uh which like as a genre film lover myself mm-hmm. like it's it's nice to see somebody taking something like film noir so seriously yeah. at this point in time where it's you know uh i guess usual suspects had already come out um uh, but yeah because that was 96 right and this is 98 um but and then uh, you know and to, then to look forward in his career, knowing what we know now, you know, Batman or the Dark Knight, you know, he takes the superhero genre and like fucking puts it on his back and like mm-hmm. makes it like a real thing again. Uh, and then, you know, even even something like The Prestige. It's interesting. And in then now later, with the sci-fi stuff. It's interesting you know, in his later career that you would doubt someone that you hold in such high esteem as often as you admitted earlier tonight that you have. Uh, Admit it, you're a Nolan fan. No, I love the guy. Uh, I love all of his movies, except for Insomnia. Um, 
which I've only seen once and never gone back to. Maybe I should go back to it again. <laughs> but, you know, it is... Life is all about expectation management, Joe. That's the truth. And I think that it's good to be skeptical of your heroes at times. I don't know if I would call Nolan a hero, but a people More that a protagonist, people, a, a people, <laughs> a hero, baby, a people that you respect, you know, uh, no, knowing the price point, I was going to try to move us. No. Uh, well, I, let me finish my thought. I, but, I, I feel like it's always good to have a little bit of skepticism about that because more often than not someone that you like look up to or respect or whatever, they're going to do something bad at some point. And if you move through like your following of their career, see what I did there, <laughs> uh, thinking that they will never misstep and that everything they do will continue to be better or like to be incredible and to be top shelf. Then at some point you're going to really have to look at yourself and, think like why did i think this person was infallible why did i think they were never going to do anything wrong good point perhaps these last two films have come out is your expectation management your own internal ex expectation management yeah I'm, I'm ready for like at some point you're gonna you gotta you gotta fuck up at some point right this like gonna it's gotta suck. happen show me what you, you know? got and then he brings you that opera scene and it's off to the and races. he has for some people it's like you know but i think that uh you're you're right carlos i think he i also realize how film bro of me it is to like christopher nolan it's the, i understand that and and i have a little bit of that I, there's almost like a little shame that comes along with i i enjoy that thing he does like i said there is a gimmickry to what he does yeah. and it's totally valid for those people who say like this guy is like a one-trick pony who does this thing. Now, I think it's an incredibly complicated thing and a hard thing to pull off, but for people who get hung up on that and say, like, well, he's just playing this trick to sort of mesmerize that you takes a lot and of work entertain to get there. you, um, you know, I have sympathy with that. I personally find the trick compelling enough that I want to see it pulled off, and I and I enjoy watching it. I mean, people but have Penn been, and Teller aren't for everybody. They, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, people have uh, been watching Kiss pull the same trick off for fifty there years. You go, okay. you know, like, and, and there were plenty of people who would laugh at me for having spent what I did on Kiss tickets. I've seen Kiss live. It yeah. was great. Yeah, I had high expectations for the first beer of the night. I had zero expectations for this beer. I didn't know anything about it. Except when you say quadruple IPA, and you, <laughs> there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of flavor in this glass, and I found myself pouring it again and again. Yeah, again and again and again. I enjoyed this beer a lot. It was a lot fruitier than I was expecting. That's interesting. I I like it. I like it. I think it's a good beer. Um, I'm not bowled over by like. I think with, and this even happens to me with some double IPAs, but certainly once you get into a triple or something even calling itself, I think this is probably the first time I've ever had a quadruple IPA. I mean, we that's can, not true. We've we had it on say, the show, haven't we? Well, I was going to say, we've, we, you know, Dogfish Head 120 is probably, I don't know what they call it. Do they call it a quick? I don't know. No, but they just call it. They just call it 120 minute, minute. right? Yeah. So, I mean, it probably, it goes over this in ABV. So oh, well I mean, over it. I know I've had beers akin to it. This, compared to 120, is much more palatable. I, I think that this is drinkable. But there is that kind of, to me, a little bit cloying sweetness that comes along with it's very sweet. the malty, mm -hmm. the level of maltiness that you need to have to get to this kind of ABV. So, to me, that 
a little bit of a knock against this. I think that said, it's it's much more drinkable than a 120. I would happily have another can of this. I don't know that I ever need to have somebody crack open a 120 for me ever again. But um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think this is good. I just wouldn't put it up there with the beers that I'm going to be returning to again and again and again. It's something that I would have as a novelty again, maybe. But I don't think I'd ever buy a four pack. Yeah, I... It's definitely better than 120. <laughs> I agree about the kind of maltiness again. I mean, if you're going to get into 12, 13, 14 percent, mm-hmm. like it's mo- mostly unavoidable. Well, and I guess that's it. With like an IPA, I kind of need it to be a little bit lighter, at least in that element. Like it can yeah. have some body to it. It can have yeah. some chew, but I want it. I want the hops to be the star. And Same. here I feel like the malt kind of weighs it down enough that the hops just can't take off the way I want them to. Yeah. And I, and I think that, I think that also is kind of my preference as well, which is why whenever we were talking about what quadruple means, I assume quite quadruple dry hopped because the yeah. things that I seek out, like when I'm out of town and I have a selection of beer available to me that I don't normally have, I'm getting Tup's double dry hop series. I'm getting all the things with all the, yeah. you know, uh, extra hops added to it. Um, but I think, it, I think it's pretty good. Um, it's not my favorite beer that we've had tonight, but it, but it <laughs> yeah, Brax is definitely, the, what, but it, it certainly I'm, isn't a failure. What I'm calling fruit, I think you're calling sweet. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Um, taking a couple more sips after your well thought out thoughts there. Well thought out thoughts. <laughs> well thought out thoughts. Title of the episode. Well, I uh, Christopher Nolan colon well thought out thoughts. I'm not gonna. This is interesting conversation. Yeah. There's not a lot of IPA about this. Hmm. You, you know what I'm saying? Well, that's the yeah, sweet, they, the you, fruit yeah, is yeah. outweighing the hop character right. of exactly what calls. I think everyone's right. Yeah. You enjoy the, the and and I think I just love you guys. <laughs> well, there always is that expectation that comes in with the way it describes itself in terms of style. Sure. You say this is a quad IPA. Yeah. I think one thing. Yeah. If you said this was a quad pale. Ooh, I maybe think something different. You say this is a quad bitter. What is that? I have no idea. Four times the bitter. Yeah, there you go. So, you know, I I hear where you're coming from. And and I think that's the thing that probably threw me off the most about this is the IPA designation. Yeah. Which is probably appropriate. They're probably throwing a shit ton of hops in here um, to to get this what it is. But it is a 12.5% body that, yeah. it's, that it's contending with. Ooh. So anyhow, it's, it's done us well through this conversation, I think. It's a beer I don't mind loving. And I'm, I am glad to hear it. Uh, did you make it to the theater to see Tenet, or did you watch it VOD like we did? Have you had a Braxis? Have you had this uh, Merc Merchants from Blackstack? Uh, how do you feel about quad IPAs? Another good question. Uh, let us know. You can find us on all your favorite social media channels, Twitter at Beer and Movie Show, Instagram at Beer and Movie, Facebook.com slash Beer and Movie TX. Uh, Beer and Movie Podcast.com has a link that will direct you to all of our past episodes should you need it. Uh, and, you know, we've mentioned it a couple times throughout the episode, but we're going to get more into the weeds and follow all the rabbit holes on our After Hours bonus episode. That happens on Patreon, patreon.com slash beer and movie podcast. $5 a month gets you a bonus, an extra bonus episode every single week. Um, you can donate less than that if you want. Uh, you won't get the bonus episodes, but you will feel like you have done something good for the world 
and by the world, I mean us. And if you want to donate more than five bucks, cause you got it like that, you really can go ahead, flex on us. Do the th- <laughs> you'll still get, you'll still get the bonus episodes. Uh, if you're listening to this on Apple podcasts, I keep forgetting to say this. Um, please rate, review, subscribe, do all that stuff. Make sure that if somebody searches beer in a movie, uh, I mean, we'll probably be the first people to come up, but if they search beer podcast, movie podcast, we want people get to us see us there, first, right? get us up there, help us rise the charts, tell a friend, uh, tell your mom, uh, you know, all that kind of Call stuff. Your girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the goal is to dominate this very, very narrow market. Yes. There's not a lot of podcasts out there. Uh, and we feel that we have it in us to reign supreme yeah. amongst them all. We will be the podcast of all podcasts. Watch out, Mark Marin. <laughs> We're coming for you. <laughs> Until next time. Don't try to understand it. Be elusive.